Well, that was round three of the Australian Grand Prix for the F1 season this year. Thomas, what did you think about that? I'm calling it now. Messiest race of 2023. I'd have to agree just from the sheer amount of yellow flags, red flags, safety cars, restarts. I mean, it's just all over the board. Three red flags and eight DNFs is going to be hard to beat at any <laughs> other track. It's starting to look like the Dallas Grand Prix out there. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> All right, so obviously we like to jump in and do a little bit of practice and qualifying first. Thomas, what did you get out of practice and qualifying? So the biggest things, uh, let's let's jump to qualifying. Obviously, Sergio Perez uh, falls out of, of qualifying. He struggled all through practices and qualifying, locking up on turn three where that big gravel pit opens up. Yeah, Does the same thing in qualifying, beaches the car, takes himself out. So that was the biggest surprise. As we get more into the season, it will be less surprising. Usually once a race, there's a big name that takes themselves out in qualifying and they have to start from the back and work themselves up. This is kind of the start of that for the 2023 year. We're going to start seeing a lot of like engine changes, parts changes and all that. They give guys penalties starting from the back too. No surprise, Max takes pole. We'll get to that at the race start, how well that fared. But the biggest winner out of qualifying by far was Mercedes taking the two and three spots. It's been a long time since Mercedes showed that they had uh, complete control of their car and the track, you know, and, and then just being right behind Max. That was impressive to see. Uh, yeah, I'd have to agree. Mercedes taking two and three was definitely something awesome. Pushing Alonso down to fourth, going further down the line, we had Ferrari finally getting in the mix in fifth with Carlos beating out Charles, who took seventh. <laughs> So Lance splits the Ferraris. That's pretty cool. Uh, Williams gets into eighth with Alex Albon. Yeah. After that, we go Pierre Gasly taking ninth. And then Nico Hülkenberg taking out that 10th spot. My notes were rough day for Ferrari. Alpine holds the midfield. Good days for Williams and Haas. And then poor, poor McLaren. That's all I had. Well, As McLaren falls to 13 and 16. I think they're just happy that they made it around the track. Um, yeah, you know how it's been for McLaren. Let's not try and hide from it. Uh, I say we dive right on into the race itself. Coming into lap one, we've got the famous turn one where something pretty interesting happens. How about Russell jumping Max for the lead? And then a couple turns later, Lewis also jumping Max. So we've got a Mercedes 1-2 to start this race off. I was I was curious as to how that would play out because the two spot on the grid at Albert Park does have the advantage of the inside line, um, which could be considered an advantage. Or some people say, oh, well, you take the faster line around the outside. But the problem is in Albert Park, the outside line always has gravel. And you don't yep. really want to go on that because it's going to cause your car to, to go out of control. You're going to lose grip and your tires are, are torched for a couple of, you know, laps around the track. You got to get the tent back into them. So as they go into turn one, I think they both played it relatively conservatively. Uh, but yeah, George getting the pass there was huge. Yeah, definitely. And then of course, it was pretty much smooth for the rest of the field. Nobody kind of did any dangerous things. Everybody just kind of took turn one pretty safely and turn two. It's not until we get into turn three that we start to see some action where we see Charles Leclerc getting ever so slightly tapped by Lance, which is just enough to make him fly off the track. Charles is done yeah. for the day. 
I, uh, I think this actually started uh, from Max and, and kind of dominoed back. Max had a horrible jump off the line. His tires were not up to temp. He quickly fell from one to two and then down to three, and he was defending, but people were stacking up behind him, right? Like the pace behind Max was super fast, and that's where you had them going four cars wide at turn three, and Charles got the bad end of that draw and just got sent flying into that gravel pit some guys are able to get out of it. if you can keep your momentum going straight through the gravel you're good but the second your tar turns you're done you can't get out of it your tires just bury down into that gravel i just like the point that they made and there goes oh and there goes last year's race winner charles leclerc <laughs> oh no everything they say is just at ferrari's disadvantage <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, well, that brings out a safety car, and we see Ocon, Perez, Joe Guan Yu, and Sargent all taking a tire change early. I'm assuming just to get the tire change out of the way, they kind of all figured. It seems like every team kind of knew that the hards would take them to glory at the very end of the race, and they didn't really need a tire change. In fact, I'd say the only reason people did do a tire change is just because the rule makes you. Uh Realistically, yep. those hards could have gone the whole way, and that was kind of evident this, from nobody else needing to pit. This was the same race that Alex Albon took a pair of softs, fifty-one laps. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and so Albert Park, uh, Melbourne, is one of the places that you can do that. Um, Sergio Perez was one of the guys that pit during that that safety car, and he went straight to the hards as well. So my thought was, if this is a clean racer today, Sergio's taking that pair of hards for the next fifty-seven laps. Yeah. And then what we wanted to see, of course, is everybody, you know, eventually everybody has to start pitting to get off those tires. And then you see all those people that took the early tire change now get to climb up a little bit higher. And, you know, they're going to make those hards last as long as possible. So then who knows, maybe that would have been stretched to the rest of the race. That did not happen. No, <laughs> you know, my my only thing real quick about having an incident this quick in the race is they restart the the race under the safety car right which is a it's a rolling start like it's not it's not a red flag where they're starting it on the grid and all that but they're they're rolling through the race is now spread out on lap 4 and there's no more like individual position battles like you have during a normal race did you notice that like everybody yeah. had a second between them on lap 4 which that's not normal no it's definitely a little odd but that's kind of i guess how it goes when you bunch the crowd back up Cause it's not like they're all starting from a ground zero and who can get the best jump kind of thing. It's pretty much whenever the guy in the front decides to step on it, everybody else is like, you better step on it or you're going to get forgotten. Uh, um, I did note that, that Alex Albon in qualifying, obviously he looked fast all through qualifying, but in the race that Williams car is fast on that track. Yeah, and you were hearing the announcers talk about that a lot, is the Williams has a lot of speed. And, you know, I guess that's something that we didn't, haven't really gotten to see just because of the different tracks and all the, you know, with Bahrain having a lot of tire degradation, and then you get to Saudi Arabia, and it's very close up, not a lot of passing, and not a lot of mistakes can be made. So you get to a track like this where you can kind of open it up, but there's very little tire deg, and then it's also spacious enough to make passes. We got to see a lot of, out of that Williams car. Four DRS zones. First yeah, time we've seen four. that. And they tried it last year, but eventually they were just like, hey, this isn't safe. So they just <laughs> didn't do it. But then this year, nothing's changed. They're just like, we'll go ahead and put that back in there. <laughs> um, So like I said, that doesn't last long because going into lap seven, Alex Albon slaps it into the wall. I Not was the so upset. Look. 
I thought yeah. he was going to have a day. That's what I was thinking too. It's because all signs were pointing towards the fact that Albon was in the top 10 and he was dominate, not dominating, but he was putting a Williams in sixth place. He was sixth on the grid before he slapped that wall. So you can't help but just wince and just kind of, oh, because you knew that that could have been good potential points for Williams that they're going to need this year. I was taking notes at the time on the the George and Lewis team radio debacle where George was being told to manage tires, but Lewis was being told to push. And at the time they were right next to each other on the track. And George was like, hey, this is not OK if you're telling me to manage tires <laughs> and you're telling Lewis to push. Um, and as I was taking that note, Albon, I mean, he goes flying off the track at like 140 miles an hour into that wall across the gravel pit. So my notes were. Albon crashed, turn seven, lost wing, beached on gravel, out of the top six for tires. <laughs> just a <laughs> random string. It was just everything happening in real time. Well, of course, that brings out the safety car. So we, now we see big moment of the race. We see Russell and Carlos Sainz pit, thinking that this is yeah. just going to be a safety car. Everybody lines back up. And then just like I said a couple minutes ago, that puts them in prime position for when everybody starts to pit. Well, then the red flag comes out and uh, everybody else changes tires, <laughs> leaving George. And I want to say I want to say he was in like seventh and then leaving Carlos all the way down in 12th or 11th. One or the other. George goes one to seven on the 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 safety car and then eventual red flag. Yeah, everybody gets a tire change, which means that his early tire or his early pit completely useless. Uh, we are obviously going to get to more red flags in this race. I, I mentioned at the start that we had a couple safety cars and at least three um, red flags. Uh, I have an I have a theory. I want you to either shoot this down or agree with me. You can go either way. You're allowed to do a pit stop under a red flag, right? You can take the car back to the garage, change the tires. I think you should be required to go back to the tire compound you had on before. It doesn't so have to be the same tire. But if you're on softs and there's a red flag, I think you can only change to go on to softs again. So would that be a considered a tire change or because you have no. to, the rule is you have I to know. use two different compounds. And that's what I'm saying. That way, a guy like George would not be messed over if he um, went to another compound because it would be it would basically be like, OK, rest of the field, you still get some nice new tires, but you're still going to have to pit again. I like it. I like it. That could definitely mix things up. So that way it kind of eliminates situations exactly like this. Right. So like basically you can put on a new pair of sauce, but you're still going to have to pit later. That way George and, and the whoever else, it was two or three guys that pit at the time. Maybe Botas was another one, but he was at the back of the field. Um, Perez pit as well, but he was also like 17th at that point. So it doesn't really matter, but George, it really mattered. Yeah. George and Carlos, Carlos got hit pretty hard. Uh, lap. I, I didn't really get anything from lap seven and nine. Nothing really happens. But then in lap nine, they're under a safety car and everybody starts to slow down and bunch up in this one corner. And because of the way that the track is set up, you can't really see past the corners. So K-Mag comes flying around the corner, sees everybody basically stopped and just full sends it into the gravel pit and skipping half the track. Yeah, so the reason you didn't get a lot for seven, eight, nine, seven and eight were the safety car being triggered and the red flag being triggered. Nine was the race restart formation lap coming back around to the grid for the restart uh, after the the red flag. Yeah, because uh, I have that gap as well. Um, that's where Max was questioning if Lewis was holding 10 car links behind the safety car, 
which I was like, okay, yeah, sure. They're behind a safety car. You got to keep 10 car links. No, you don't. Not when it's a red flag grid uh, from a stop position restart. Lewis still controls the pace for the race. I found that really interesting. What's the point of the huh. safety car then? Huh. I didn't understand that rule when they talked about it, so I kind of just glossed over it, but that's pretty interesting. Yeah, so they have a safety car to, I guess, get the drivers back to the grid to stop and line up again, but the first driver controls the pace. Not So could Lewis fly past the safety car at like 200 yeah. miles an hour? <laughs> kind of makes the safety car rule a little pointless, but I guess if we understood all of the rules pertaining to that, like, oh, you still obviously can't pass the safety car, and then there has to be this stipulation and that, maybe we'd understand it better, but that is weird. And just if you're taking notes, we're on lap nine and we've had two two safety cars and a red flag. <laughs> Moving into lap 10, the, <laughs> the, race, <laughs> the race finally restarts. We have Nick DeVries just popping up on Ocon's wheel and going airborne. Um, we went back and watched that replay because I was like, okay, Ocon probably tried to force it around the outside. No, DeVries just pushed him off the road, didn't leave him yeah. any space whatsoever. And Ocon was like, I'm not going in the gravel pit. So DeVries just went for a ride. I, I took a note that says DeVries at fault, 100%. It's like he oh, did. Yeah. I don't think he saw him. I think he thought he was clear of him, and he well, wasn't. It's like, it's like the announcers say, too. Uh, Ocon actually kind of peeled off a little bit. He got off the throttle and tried to give it more to, to, to DeVries to let him have it. Obviously, there just wasn't enough time to react, and DeVries goes flying. <clears throat> Lap 12, Verstappen finally gets past Lewis with the DRS. And then I have a little note right here. Doesn't look back. For the rest no, of the race, no. Max does not look back. The Red Bull with DRS is wickedly fast. I don't like... understand it. There's something about that. The way that they set up the wing is they can get the most out of that DRS than any other car on the grid. And I don't know why. Between laps and 12, I made this note. Max and Lewis, by the way. So Lewis was four seconds ahead of three at that point. So Max and Lewis were ripping ahead of everybody else. Oh, yeah. After eight turns of Max passing Lewis, so less than half of a lap, Max had a two-second lead on Lewis. Yeah. I did have, however, two laps later, lap 14, Russell already back into fourth. So, way to go, Russell. Yeah, he was uh, fighting back up. Didn't he, he had to fight Gasly long? for a while. He was fighting Pierre. Pierre was holding on to that four spot for a good bit. Yeah. So, it didn't last long, though, because four laps later, I have George Russell, Ring of Fire. And for those that didn't watch the race, that is when all of a sudden you start seeing smoke spewing out of the back of Russell's car, and then it ignites, causing a fireball behind the Mercedes. Yeah, I, I have not gone back and looked at what they actually declared what the failure was, because when they went to his onboard cam and you could hear the engine revs and the gear shifts, it sounded, it sounded fine. It sounded, it sounded like a good normal. car. I don't know yeah. how he even knew that there was a problem unless he was just losing power, but it sounded fine. A hundred percent. And it, they ruled it out as just a powertrain issue. I don't think that they were wanting to let everybody else know because all the teams are listening in too. And I don't think they wanted to let the rest of the teams aware of their problems. So they just kind of hush hushed about it and just said, oh, it was just a powertrain fault. But yep. so many parts and components to the powertrain, it could have been anything. And that was lap 18. I made a note on lap 17. Here's the one problem with DRS, with four DRS zones. It was constant DRS train after DRS train. And this was not a race full of overtaking. Literally all of your moves ended up happening whenever there was a crash, a red flag, a safety car, something like that. There was only a couple of legit overtakes throughout the entire day. And most of them were done by Sergio working his way up the field and, and Russell working his way up the field. 
everybody else just kind of took the spots of the people crashing ahead of them. <laughs> yeah, yes and no. There was quite a few fights between, you know, Yuki Sonoda, Oscar Piastri, uh, yeah, Jogwan Yu got in there. There was, there was some decent fighting going on in the middle of the pack, but as far as like your top eight, nine, pretty much no movement. Um, I do have, though, that by lap 20, Lewis is saying, Alonzo is very fast. I don't know if these tires are going to make it. On lap 20, they have to go another, what, 38, 38. at the time? Yep. God. Uh, I, had, I, had the, I had the note surprises real quick on lap 21. Call outs from lap 21. Hulkenberg in seventh for the Haas. Sonoda yeah. in nine for the Alphatari. And Pierre Gasly fourth in the Alpine. Again, don't know how he did that, but props to Pierre. Oh, and, and Sergio was up to 11 by that spot. Jeez. Not even halfway through the race, he's already gained nine positions. Yep. It, that Red Bull car really is broken. In fact, so much to the point to where lap 24, Max already has a four and a half second lead on Hamilton. But wait, it gets better. Lap 25, Max up 5.7 seconds and sets the fastest lap. So in yeah, that one it, lap, he puts another 1.2 on the board. Uh, and uh, that same time period, Perez went from 11 to 10 when he passed Lando. And the Red Bull car is so much faster than the McLaren that they came on Lando's radio and said, don't fight with Perez. No. <laughs> Your race is not with Sergio. Just let him go. Uh, Very next lap, however, Piastri struggling to fight Sonoda, loses out to Ocon behind him, putting him in 12th. So Piastri's trying to gain that 10th spot away from Sonoda, but in doing so, they slow down so much that Ocon pulls his own little through goes Hamilton moment. Doesn't get past Sonoda, but gets past Piastri. Uh, Lando just, I have this funny fact in lap 26, because we're 26 laps into the race. Lando Norris just hanging out in eighth. Nico just hanging out in seventh. No time change whatsoever between either of their cars in front of them or behind them. They're just staying exactly where they're supposed to be. What I didn't understand was, I think I made the mistake earlier of saying Sergio was fighting Lando, but it was actually Piastri at the time. He fights Lando yeah, yeah, yeah. later on. It was on. Piastri first. Uh, he passes Norris on lap 29. But they were showing the lap times of the McLarens, and they were commenting on this on the broadcast. The McLarens can lap at the pace of a Ferrari. They just don't always do that. Yeah, they and they kind, of, they kind of keep throwing back ties to it because throughout this period in the lap 20, 20s and the early 30s, you hear the commentators talking a lot about how Lando Norris is putting out like exceptional laps. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Where was this the first two races of the season? And is this going to continue? Because if they're putting out the same lap, lap times as Carlos Sainz, because at the time, obviously, you're not going to compare him to Charles. Charles in the garage. <laughs> um, Carlos, if they're putting the same lap times as Carlos Sainz, why are they not finishing higher? I don't know. I just love the memes of, uh, have you seen the ones where it's a tractor? <laughs> and it says the <laughs> McLaren. <laughs> F1 fans are ruthless. I love it. I love it. Uh, lap 27, I've got Ocon taking Sonoda, getting 10th, and Sonoda falls out of the points. Two laps later, Piastri takes Sonoda. This is when Sonoda is starting to have, uh, you don't find this out until a little bit later, but Sonoda has some kind of problem with his car, and he just starts dropping like crazy. He goes from 10th all the way down to 14th, and I have that in here too. We'll get to that in a minute. But at this point, he's been passed by Ocon, and Piastri takes him, so now he goes from 10th to 12th. Um, uh, talking about Piastri, uh, while they're talking about Piastri, 
Uh, they mentioned Max beating his personal best. Now, at this time, Max already has the fastest lap. He's like 10 seconds up on Lewis Hamilton, and he's just out here setting personal bests. And I'm like, why? He is, on lap 32, he was 8.3 seconds ahead of Lewis Hamilton. I, by lap 30, I have him uh, past eight seconds. So that's just ridiculous speeds. Like, we were just talking what this fight between him and Lewis was, what, 10 laps ago, and now he's got an eight-second lead on him. It's kind of ridiculous. Yep. Three laps later, I've got Sergio taking the fastest lap. And three laps after that, K-Mag finally passes Sonoda. Kind of what I was talking about. Sonoda just not having a good day with his car. Stuff's going down, but good for K-Mag. <laughs> Real quick, I want to go back to the to the start of the race. Remind me, we're on lap like 35-ish, right? Yeah. So before I started watching the race, I wrote down four things that I'm watching for. And and one of them was, can Mercedes keep pace with Max uh, and and... No, but they kept pace ahead of everybody else. Yeah. You know, so uh my my second question was will Aston Martin be battling the Mercedes and the Ferraris? And if you've noticed in our first two race recaps, we talked a lot of Aston Martin. We're not talking a lot of Aston Martin today because they're still far better than they have been the past couple of years. Don't get us wrong, but today they were more in that three or four constructor spot, right? Like kind of hovering around the middle of the top 10 Alonzo, obviously up there in the third spot, but not making any noise in the third spot. Say it's kind of one of those things where it's turned into like, Oh, and Fernando gets another third place podium. Like yeah. what, what else? Cause he's not competitive with max. And in this race, he wasn't competitive with the Mercedes car either. But my final note, what you what reminded me of it was you said Sergio took the fastest lap. I, my fourth note was, can Sergio claim a top five finish from 20th? We know Max can do that. I know Lewis can do that. I know Charles can do that. I'm hesitant if, if, Car if uh, Sergio can do that. I think today by him working his way up the field through all the mess and the pit stops and the red flags and the safety cars and the stoppages, and they probably lost 10 laps under safety cars. Sergio is is doing all right. And this was the same time last year. Remember when Christian Horner was questioning whether Sergio was his long-term fit at Red Bull because they yeah. were going into the contract negotiations with Sergio and it took Sergio essentially winning Monaco <laughs> to sign him up. And I think this this race again shows, okay, he can, not quite as good as Max, but he can work his way up the field. Yeah, it's a weird thing because Sergio starting in the second spot if he's only battling Max, it's kind of like we know he's not going to win. We want to see him battle it out. We want to see there being some kind of battle between the two, but we kind of know Verstappen's going to win. But when you put Sergio back in 20th, you realize just what Sergio's level of capability is because when he's up in that two spot, he's not overtaking. He's not making massive position gains. He's just pulling ahead with Max, but not as at a fast rate, not as fast. Um, and then when he put him in 20th, he's sitting there making his way through the pack, cutting, making smart overtakes, doesn't even always need DRS, can make passes regularly anywhere around the track. And that's the part that's kind of exciting to watch because it's like, okay, you can finally see the race craft that Sergio brings to the team. Yeah, uh, I will say uh, we're, we're in the mid 30s lap wise here. I took very little notes on like the next 10 laps between 35 and 45 because they were just racing, but there wasn't a lot happening. We learned that Sonoda had a problem, which you mentioned. Hamilton was getting fastest laps. Alonzo was gaining on Hamilton. I think you've got some points on that, but no real movement. Yeah, pretty much. In fact, back to lap 36, so much less movement and so much less action to the point to where I put it. Lap 36, they showed Daniel Ricardo's face in the garage and the entire 
crowd surrounding the Australian Grand Prix goes absolutely mad. Yeah. And I loved every second of it. You had all the, and then he's sitting there looking at the screens. He's like, he's like looking at the screens intently. And then he hears the crowd cheering. So he like looks out. And when he looks out or no, 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 he has all of the different, um, he has all of the different broadcasts on the computer screens in front of him. So he looks at one of them and sees like, here's his face just directly right next to him. And he turns to his left and looks at the camera and just starts waving to the crowd and the crowd's going wild. This man is a reserve driver for Red Bull. Who's not even a full-time reserve driver. And he still has so much love. You got to love to see it. I I will say lap 39. I took this note and this is what makes me excited about this whole season. Uh, We've talked before about like the competitiveness of the sport and okay. We know Max is going to win. We know Red Bull's going to win like that. Okay. Take that off the table. I'm watching two through five for the drivers and the constructors, because right now I don't know who's going to win that. Um, On lap 39, this is your top 10 by constructors. You ready? Red Bull, Mercedes, Aston Martin, Ferrari, Alpine, Aston, Haas, McLaren, Red Bull, Alpine. It is a mixed bag of teams and drivers. Two through five, both constructor-wise and driver-wise, wide open for the taking right now if you want it. Yeah, that's so exciting. That's what we like to see, though, is... We've had these like last year we had the year Red Bull runs away with the whole thing and it's looking like that again this year but there was also no movement from the rest of the grid versus this year Red Bull's running away with it but we're seeing so much action just coming from every single team on the grid that's so exciting to watch. Yep. Uh, 37 I've got we finally find Yuki has a problem with the car. This is when it's finally made known from the commentators that are talking about the race that Yuki has some kind of issue because Yuki was call, uh, talking to the race engineer and he was like, I'm not happy. Something's going on. And they're like, this is what we got. So we're going to have to make do with it. It wasn't like his uh, seatbelt debacle from Zanvort last year. Right, right. <laughs> uh, 38, I've got Max takes the fastest lap to which Lewis immediately then says, these guys are quick behind me. And then immediately takes the fastest lap from Max. <laughs> Alonso was running aware. quick, just not as quick. No, no, he he was there. And when you're looking at their lap times, it's not like Lewis Hamilton was pulling like half a second on Fernando Alonso or anything. Anytime Lewis was pushing really hard, you would tell, but it would it would make the gap go from like 1.1 to 1.6. You know, it's nothing dramatic. Um, 39, Max takes the fastest lap back. And then I put, why is he pushing so hard? Because at this point, he's got like 11 or 12 seconds on Lewis Hamilton, and he's just still dogging it out. I don't I don't understand. Um, I have a theory, but I will get to that on lap 47. Okay. Well, going into lap 40, Lewis then takes the fastest lap again. Now, this is when I had an interesting question, because right now, Lewis and Max are battling it out for fastest lap. My question and my theory is, if there was a safety car and they lined back up at this moment with the way that Lewis's cars responding and the way that Max's cars responding, responding at this point in the race, would they be duking it out for the lead? No. Okay. Well, to that next point, I put Max is up 9.7 seconds on Lewis. So it wasn't 12, it was nine, but still he was up from eight earlier that we had mentioned. Uh, 41 Max takes the fastest lap back. 42, he beats his time, takes the fastest lap again. And 43, Checo comes out of nowhere and takes it from all of them. Now, the last point that I have, nothing happens for five laps or for four laps. And then we see Alonzo gets the okay to start pushing. Boom, takes the fastest lap. 
And I was like, let's go, Alonzo. Let's go. The last uh, 10 laps that he just detailed were less racing and more just who can get the fastest lap. It was like a qualifying session, just yeah. mid-race. <laughs> um, can I give you my lap 47 yes. uh, point? So lap 47 it. is where Max locks up, runs wide into the grass, and then he has to weave his tires back up to temp. I think Max had an issue with tire temp all day long. I think he was still dominant, but I think his tires were kind of not what he wanted to see all day long. Here's why I think he was pushing it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the same track last year that he did a 360 on in that same exact spot? Oh, was that I think it is. Or was that Monza? I think it was here. In, in Alper- and I could be completely wrong, but I think he was having trouble with his tires all day. He was having trouble locking up. He called that out in lap yeah, one, we in heard lap that. three that he was driving. I think in the back of his head, he's thinking something's going to go wrong out here and I've got to have as much time between me and Lewis as possible. So on lap 47, he had a 12 second lead and then that drops to 7.5. So he had built himself enough of a buffer, even enough so that he could weave his car and get temp back into the tires. It's interesting if if that is true to, about the point about last year, then that's that makes this even better in my opinion because it shows that Max was thinking about previous races and in order to make his decisions for what he's going to do this year. And I I'm like that because up. if he wasn't pushing, then Lewis probably would have been right behind him. Uh, I was in Hungary. Uh, mm. Very similar looks though. I'm looking at the video over right now. The tracks in that area look shockingly similar. <laughs> Well, I mean, to your point, then it might not be the fact that he's looking at what happened to me last year in this race, but he's looking at his overall career. And he's like, okay, well, I remember in Hungary last year, this happened. So I'm going to go ahead and push this to make sure I get that nice buffer before anything could happen. Uh, I will say at that point, same uh, same time, lap 50, uh, Hamilton's pulling away from Alonso at this point. And Nico Hulkenberg dangerously defending against Lando Norris. I mean... Like what we do in the F1 video game, they were doing in real life where like you would fly up behind me and I will sketchily weave in front of you and break check you. That's what Hulkenberg was doing. Yeah. And he also isn't supposed to do that. No. Which th- that's why he gets called out in the middle of the race because Lando com- comes on and he's like, he just moved after my move. <laughs> because if for those of you that don't know, the rule is, is that you only get one move. So if you're on the far left side of the track and the car behind you has enough speed to make an overtake and he's going to the right side of the track, you get one move to defend. So if you choose to go to the right side, then they have to back off. But if they swerve to the left, they can take that line. The only thing, the only reason why you would be able to move back to the other side is to uh, align yourself up for the next turn ahead. So if the next turn is a, a right-handed turn, that's like a 90 degree angle, you need to be as far left as possible. So if your defending move was the one move to the right, you still get that move back to the left to set yourself up for the next turn. So Norris, but they were so far from the turn that when Hulkenberg did that double move, I was like, that's kind of sketchy. Norris got his revenge two laps later, though, where he forced uh, forced uh, Hulk wide and took eighth place, and then Hulkenberg went in the gravel. He saved it, but I thought he might have been out of the race. Have... You ready to take this thing home with the craziness that is lap 53 through 58? Yeah, this is where things get a little bit wild and a little confusing, so I'm going to need you all to stay with us here. <laughs> uh, very next lap from where we're picking up, lap 52, we're now on lap 53. Hulkenberg's partner, Magnuson, slaps a wall. Just goes right into it. I mean, slaps it like there's not even a wall there. I, 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 I don't know what to say. 
the tire but, impression on the wall was a great visual. Yeah, because it because it jumped off, and when it bounced up, it tapped way high up on the wall. So when the car's next to the wall, it's like even with the halo. It's like what? So K Mag hits his back right tire, his right rear, and the thing immediately flies off. And then he's going down the track for a good half mile or so on three tires. Yeah. Meanwhile, sparks are flying and a one tire is just going down the track with the rest of the cars. And they they throw the safety car immediately. Uh, but then uh, about a lap and a half later, that turns into a full on uh, second red flag of the race. Yeah. And then we get to lap 57, which, by the way, is when the actual red flag was initiated. So when the race picked back up, it was on lap 57. Uh, I have right here lap 57 restart chaos ensues so at this moment this is when all bets are off there's what one lap left and everybody's doing everything that they possibly can you have everybody lined up on the grid you have the lights going out boom every single then you you talked about this earlier so i'll kind of shout you out here every single person dive bombs that corner because everybody's on nice new fresh tires Oh, yeah. And you get one lap or no, 57 and 58. So technically two laps. You get two laps to try and take whatever position you're at and maximize it as much as possible. So every single car dive bombs that corner. We have cars flying off left and right. We have Carlos Sainz taking out Alonzo. We have the two Alpines just taking each other out. Pierre Gasly got uh, was a little slow off of the, t- uh, the corner and Ocon was coming out the outside side. And I guess Pierre just didn't see him because he was too far ahead of him. So Pierre starts inching towards the wall, smushes Ocon. So Ocon tries to back out at the last second. Tires collide. Pierre slaps the wall. Both Alpines are now out of the race. We have, like I said, Carlos taking out Alonzo. Alonzo spins backwards and just flying off the track. His car didn't take any damage, so he was able to continue. But that still sucks. And then we have two corners later uh, on lap or corner or turn three. We have Stroll going flying off the track after getting tapped, I guess. I wasn't really sure. Um, Point is, everything goes crazy. Everything goes haywire. Everybody goes flying off the track. As a racing fan, the restarts and safety car aspect of Formula One is simultaneously a huge pro to the sport because you know there's going to be chaos and craziness. And I love that. Like uh, the accidents are great. You want them all to be safe, but you want to see some chaos. <laughs> no injuries, but the same, just accidents. Yeah. But at the same time, you're kind of like, they've been racing for 57 laps and now they just start over. And I, I know the stewards know that the there's drama in F1 and they love to build the scene. Michael Massey in the 2021 championship, everybody has their opinions on him, but he set a stage for a show, right? Between Max and Lewis. Forget the rules. I know there's issues on that, but he set the stage for a showdown. In this race, whatever stewards made the joint decision to red flag the K-Mag situation and restart it on lap 57, 100% knew this was going to happen. 100% they knew there was going to be 18 accidents going into turn one of that race because, again, they're all on fresh softs and they're all trying to get as many points as possible in that first turn. Oh, yeah. Also, this doesn't matter whatsoever to the outcome of the race at all, but I just threw this in here just for funsies. Um Logan Sargent gets a terrible restart and gets bogged down. All the cars take off. He starts to take off. And I don't know if it's just because he wasn't with the action right off the bat. So he wasn't aware of everybody breaking to go into the next turn, but he slaps 
right into the back of Nick yep. DeVries taking out both rookies. Yep. I I took a screenshot of my my TV when this happened because it was chaotic. So I paused it and it, the image shows, I can't show it obviously because the F1 copyright, but the image shows Alonzo now facing backwards with Carlos <laughs> aiming right at him. It shows Sergio and uh gasly in the gravel in the grass and in the very back of the picture you see the alvatari and the williams just all ah, just right into the back. <laughs> it's the craziest image ever and oh, again no. they 100 percent knew this had happened but if you hadn't watched the race or if you're confused about how the race ended the biggest question is will the race resume or is it just over because everybody thought the race would time out i thought the race would time out how had they not gotten to the two hour mark by this point we've stopped this race a thousand times but no they're gonna come back out there and so who does that mess over who's the only team that that messes over uh, probably aston martin and alpine but mainly only... so probably alpine because yeah. both cars are completely ruined so the 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 difference here is they were referring back to um um Silverstone, right? Where they had yeah. the big wreck and they they said, hey, because Joguan Yu crashed before a sector had been completed, we're just gonna go back to our regular starting order. Whatever moves that had been made don't count. I think Lewis had made a couple of positions off the line and all that. They threw all that out. So they thought they would do that here. If that's the case, then everything would have been fine. They would have ended exactly where they were. The Aston Martins wouldn't be good. The Alpines would have been whatever, but because they're going to come back out and do essentially what's a formation lap to end the race, your car just has to be running. And the only people's cars that weren't running were the two Alpines. Everybody else was able to get it back out there and get it on the grid. Yeah. But if they had gone with the other ulterior, uh, which was, um, everybody goes out in the order that the red flag ended, meaning that, uh, both Aston Martins would be at the very back. Alpine would be at the very back. You had Nico Hulkenberg finishing in fourth. That's 12 points for Haas there, buddy boy. Now that, go ahead. I I, th I think, I think me and you have different interpretations of this and I could have seen them going either way. I think the option was either to do what they did, which was um, uh, have people come back out that for that formation lap or just, in the race, but not in the race where they were at the time of all the crashes in the race at the time when they line back up on lap 57 for the race restart. Hmm. Which means Aston, which means the Alpines would have finished in the top five or whatever it was at the time. See, I had them ending the race at the point of the red flag, which would have put the Astons at the back and then Nico right. finishing in fourth. But refer back to Silverstone, none of that would have counted. Well, sure, but refer back to 2021, the final race of the season, when Michael Massey just changed all of the rules of F1 in total. We're not, do we're not doing it right now. We're not. <laughs> Regardless, uh, I just threw that out for fun. Um, that was the way that the race ended. Everybody came back out for a, essentially a parade lap. Um, you had both Alpines out at this point, Aston Martin back to where they were. And then everybody just kind of doing a showcase uh, right before everybody comes back out. It's still a red flag. They're still trying to decide what it is that they're going to do. They threw Daniel Ricardo back up there again, and the entire crowd goes wild. <laughs> again. I, I can confidently say that me and you have never seen this type of finish. I know we've seen races finish under safety car Monza last year, finish under safety car, which is kind of boring and anticlimactic. This takes that to a whole new level of they do a formation lap and then they they do a rolling start across the checkered flag line 
but you're not allowed to race or pass because racing can't start until you've crossed that line. So the guy that was the most upset had to be Carlos Sainz because what news did he get 30 seconds before he rolls back on that track? Oh, he gets a five second penalty dropping him all the way back to what was it? 12th, 11th, something ridiculous. He was, he was 12th. He was the last person before the DNS because what happened was he got penalized for hitting uh, the Aston Martin Fernando Alonso. And the problem was your time is based on obviously where the other cars are. So he got, so whatever his finishing time is, they add five seconds to, well, when they did that final rolling start through lap 58 and the checkered flag, everybody's within a second of each other. Yep. And so your five second penalty all the way to the back. Gosh, not a good look. So basically Ferrari showed up for, Nothing this weekend as they have a car finish essentially in fourth and then not finish in fourth or not even in the points at all. So that's fun. Uh, I'm sure Carlos. And then you heard how upset Carlos was over the radio too. He was not happy with that penalty. And I didn't get a chance to look into the uh, post-race interviews. I wanted to see if they had talked to anybody at Ferrari, but more importantly, I wanted to see if they had talked to Carlos to see what his opinions were on it. No, I didn't. I didn't hear. He's got to be ticked. Um, he was upset in the car. He was begging with the team to wait for the stewards to talk to him after the race. And obviously they'd already made their mind at that point. Um, so the race finishes. You have the order going Verstappen, Hamilton, Alonzo, Stroll, Perez, Norris, Hulkenberg, Piastri, Joe Guan Yu, Yuki Sonoda, Botas, and then Carlos Sainz. Eight DNFs. Only 12 finishes. So only two guys that finished did not get points. Carlos Sainz and Valtteri Botas. Um, we didn't mention at the start, but uh, Sergio Perez started from the pit lane along with Valtteri Botas. But I don't know why Botas yeah, had I didn't, to start from the pit lane. I saw that. I didn't know why Valtteri was there either. Did I he take a penalty or something? I guess so. Maybe he had to fix a car part. Maybe that's something that I had missed somewhere. But we knew why Sergio was starting back there. He was in 20th. Didn't get any kind of qualifying whatsoever. Well, actually, I think the reason why he was starting from the pit is because he assumed that since he was already starting from 20th, he probably had a new part put on, which implied yeah. a, a penalty, which would make him start from the pit lane. That's the only reason why I can assume that he started from the pit lane and not the 20th grid spot. We'll see this more in races like six through nine where drivers will just take a bunch of new parts because they know they're all going to get penalized and they oh, just yeah, do it all. If you, get a, if you get a 15 second penalty, but you're in 20th position, where are you going to go? Yeah, might as well. I will say yeah. here's my biggest winners of the day and, and, and give me yours as well. Obviously, Red Bull, Max going one, Sergio five. They both make it through the chaos. They both get big points finishes. Huge day for them. I'm going to say Mercedes is a big winner for the day. Yes, George didn't finish. They've got some reliability things to work on. But the fact that Lewis comfortably controlled that number two spot all day long, I think is a good sign for the Mercedes team. I've got anybody on the grid that's a world champion being a winner for today. How about that one? Because we've got the one, two, three spot with two-time world champion winning Max Verstappen, the number two spot with seven-time world champion winning Lewis Hamilton, and the number three spot with two-time world champion winning Fernando Alonso. Uh, whenever they were doing that last lap, it's crazy because obviously Fernando was probably in the worst spot turned around after that race restart, right? Yet he probably benefited the best from all that chaos because he still finishes third. Carlos sure. drops all the way down to 12. So Ferrari loses points on this whole day. And then the Alpines take each other out. 
Alonzo, the guy in the worst spot picture wise on that turn makes it out the best. Oh yeah. Clean and breezy. Uh, I have my winners also being Mercedes. Just like you said, it's hard to beat that even though they did not have a good finish with Russell's car lighting on fire, but you got to give it to Lewis Hamilton for coming in second and not far off from Max's time either. Granted what, like at the time, 12 seconds before the red flag and everything else, but it wasn't 30 something seconds and almost about to be lapped. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I do have also the second winners, in my opinion. This might be a little controversial. I've got McLaren. And the reason why is because Lando Norris getting six, Oscar Piastri getting eighth. Besides Aston Martin, they're the only two, or they're the only team on the grid that had a double points finish. So uh, you can't well, really I take mean- that away from them. Red Bull had points. Aston Martin had points. But oh, I'm, not, I'm sorry. You're right. Red Bull too. But Red Bull, Aston Martin had the two two drivers finish in the points. And so did McLaren. Nobody else did. I don't want to hate on McLaren all year. But if there's not eight DNFs, neither of them get points. I disagree. I think that Lando Norris had a strong top 10. And he probably would have stayed there throughout the entirety of the race. I don't think Oscar Piastri gets points unless you have all the DNFs. When you have Zhou Guan Yu and Yuki Tsunoda getting points... Lando didn't finish down with them. He finished in sixth. That's my point. One spot removed. Joe Guan, you got with Hulkenberg. Ninth. No, Lando six, Hulkenberg seven, and then Piastri, Joe, and Sonoda go eight, nine, and ten. Yeah, I think you take the eight, nine, and ten spot, take all three of them out because that's not going to happen. But I think I genuinely believe Lando and Hulkenberg finish top ten if this race continues clean. Uh, also, that's just. Just for fun, Carlos was only a half a second away from finishing in the points. If he had somehow been a half a second closer to whoever he was behind when that safety car thing happened, <laughs> he would have gotten pinned. Put that tire right up next to them. <laughs> Verstappen rule him, just come up right on his wing. Oh, man. All in all, though, regardless of all the red flags and safety cars, it was still exciting to watch. It just wasn't as action-packed as a normal race would be. This was more drama-filled than action-packed. Racing. Yeah, racing action-packed. Crash action-packed, absolutely. Oh, well, crash action-packed, you had cars and parts flying all over the place. But as far as racing action, not too much. Um, It was a little bit safer of a race. We saw guys not be as daring until it got to the dicey moments there at the end. (laughs) But as far as the race goes in terms of the other races, like I said, I think it was a lot more conservative, a lot more safe, but still pretty fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I've got. All right, guys. Well, that's all that we've got. Uh, Let us know what y'all think in the comments down below. Let us know your thoughts on the Australian Grand Prix. We want to hear what you thought, what you saw that we might have missed. And if you have any explanations for us on things that we kind of left lingering, any questions that we had, feel free to provide them down in the comments down below. We'll We'll take a look at that. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye.